Welcome to The Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mom of six kids, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Payne Show. I have been looking forward to this episode, not only because the topic is something that I love, but also because the guest is someone who I feel like exudes so much joy and excitement. And so I'm just honored to get to have Brie McCoy in studio today. And we're talking about her brand new book, The Cook's Book, Recipes for Keeps and Essential Techniques to Master Everyday Cooking. Brie, I would love for you to start by just telling us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Well, and thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited to be here speaking with you. My name is Brie McCoy, as you mentioned, and I am, I call myself an accidental home cook because I really did not know how to cook and I didn't want to learn how to cook. Like, I felt like it was an important part of my DNA that I didn't know how to cook. I, I did many other things in my life. I had many other gifts. Eating was one of them. Cooking was not one of them. And I never wanted to learn, even though my mom is an amazing home cook, my grandmother, everybody in my family really leaned into cooking. And I was like, that's not my path. And then I got married and uh, we had a budget and it did not support my Thai takeout habits. And so that's how I became an accidental home cook. Okay. So I first have to ask, so why, like, what is it behind the fact that you didn't want to have this be the thing that you did? I think I truly thought it was ridiculous. I was like, this is, this is so time consuming. And then there's a big mess at the end of the evening. And it just felt like this is repetitive. Like every day you have to do this, you have to meal plan, then you have to cook the food, then you have to clean the dishes. And I was like, I want no part of that. And I'm sure someone else will be happy to do that in my life. I just didn't want to do it. (laughs) I literally did not want to do it. So I think there are probably a lot of people listening who really resonate with that. Like, you know, Sometimes I'm just like, if we didn't have to eat, it would save us so much time. But I also, I like food too. So it's that, but sometimes as, you know, women who, if we're making meals and it can feel like not only do we have to plan the meal, but then we have to shop for the meal and then cook the meal and then clean up from the meal. And it just feels like such a big task that it can feel overwhelming. Yes, that is exactly it. And I just was like, less cooking, more eating. I was like, Wait, where's the path to like less cooking, more eating? I also think because I came from a background of people who really loved cooking, I just thought if you love cooking, you cook. And if you don't love cooking, you do take out. Mm-hmm. Those are your paths. And so you all of a sudden are put on this path that you didn't want to be on and you are starting to learn how to cook. Did you have some basic essentials? Like, did you know some basic things when you started? No. I, so how did you, if you had family who, you know, this history and legacy of people who love to cook, how did you avoid not learning anything about cooking? It was truly an art. I, I do not know how I went from growing up around such amazing people who cooked all the time to one day finding myself in my own tiny apartment, a kitchen being like, what does a pinch of salt mean? I literally was looking at the tablespoons being like, nothing here says pinch. Where's the pinch? <laughs> Or like calling my mom and being like, 
what do you mean like bake the garlic bread? Like, are we put, we're putting it in the oven? Mm -hmm. What, what temperature? I just had no idea. And I think I just truly felt like there's a lot of things I will uh, deal with when I'm adulting. Cooking will not be one of them. So I never have to learn any of this. So I just did not pay attention. Mm. Looking back, do you wish you had paid attention? Yes. (laughs) Yes, I do. Because I think there's just a few skills and techniques that I was like, if I could have gone into marriage with these techniques or even living by myself for the first time with these techniques, I probably A, could have saved a lot of money and B, been just like slightly more efficient in the kitchen. Mm. And so your heart behind writing this book was really to help people who were in that same state of like, you need to learn how to cook and you have no clue. Exactly. That is, that is what I wanted because I felt like I was going to so many different resources, different, I had like five cookbooks out on the table, all the websites pulled up. I'm calling my mom. I'm calling my grandma. Still things are burning. And I was like, there's something missing here. Like, and is there one resource where I can get all the information I needed? And so I really wrote this book thinking of 26 year old Brie, like what would 26 year old Brie want? She'd want one resource Mm. to start her journey in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. So tell me about when you first started then in the kitchen, did you know kind of pretty quickly, oh, I really enjoy cooking because it seems like now you really enjoy cooking, correct? Yes. You're just not pretending on social media. Okay. Exactly. Oh my gosh. What a a scandal. (laughs) Food blogger hates cooking in kitchen. I did end up falling in love with it. And what happened actually is what I fell in love with was what was happening at the dinner table. Mm. So when we would gather people around a meal and just the conversation that was happening, the friendships, the community, my husband's in the military, so we move a lot. And so we always feel like we're kind of starting from ground zero with community. And I learned the fastest way to build community is to bring people together around a meal. And so my love for the kitchen really was born in seeing what happened at the table. So I wanted to learn how to become a more efficient home cook so I could get to the table to be with my people. I didn't want to be in the kitchen the whole time while everybody was out talking and, you know, enjoying each other. And I'm in the kitchen burning things and feeling very stressed out. Mm. So the love started first with like, oh, look what's happening at the table. And then as I learned more skills and techniques and I felt more comfortable in the kitchen, that's when I was like, wait, this is kind of fun. I kind of like this. So I love that because I feel like there are so many people that I talk to who they want to open their home more. But the part of the opening of their home that scares them so much is feeding people. Like that just feels overwhelming. Yes. that And I totally resonate with that because I, I just think I didn't want to have people over because I felt like I didn't know what to cook them. It felt not okay to do a rotisserie chicken from the grocery store. And because of that, we never had people to our table and in the beginning. And so I was like, you know what? I would rather have people over to my table and be serving store-bought salsa than never have people over to my table. But then it also grew into a level of like, hey, if I learn like some techniques, I bet I can become pretty confident and feel okay to bring stuff to the table that isn't super fancy, but it has a lot of flavor and it was really simple. Mm. So I'd love to hear for someone who they're listening and they're thinking, oh man, I wish I could get to that place where it felt simple to cook for people. What are some basic recipes that you love that you would say to start with if you're wanting to not only cook for your family, but then also open up your door and invite people to your table? Oh yes. I think I started with 
bites and snacks. I have a recipe in the book called Gathering Salsa because literally you set that salsa out on the table and everybody's just going to gather. And it's simple and it's easy and you can make it to your own taste and everybody loves it. You can make it ahead of time. You can freeze it. That one's really good. I have a pasta recipe called First Hello. And this is maybe one of my favorite um, hosting tricks is to just have one recipe that you make whenever you bring new people over. For some reason, young Brie, we would invite new people over and I would be like, I am going to make a whole pig. (laughs) We're going to get, we're going to, you know, put it in the backyard. We're going to do, and I'm like, what am I doing? I've never even cooked a whole pig. Like what is happening? And so I decided I am going to get really good at one recipe. And so every time we have new people over, that's the recipe. Mm. And I call it my first hello pasta. It's so easy. It tastes like it's been on the stove all day long. And every time we move or every time we have someone new over to our home, I don't need that. That part of the equation is taken out. That Mm. guesswork is done. I know I'm making that pasta. Mm. And we also have ribs that are actually in the oven, not on the grill And those are so good. And they're always a crowd pleaser. Mm. So tell me about then, you know, inviting people in and what are some things that have happened around your table as you've embraced this? I think the first time I really realized the power of bringing people around a meal was several years ago, we were hosting a small group and we had been hosting it for several months and no one was really opening up. We, We felt like we were asking the important questions, but it was one word answers. We just weren't getting deep at all. We didn't feel connected to each other. And so one day I was like, you know what I'm making? I made that pasta. I was like, and we're having a meal. And I sent a text message to everybody. And I said, does everybody want to show up 30 minutes early? I have dinner here. Don't bring anything. And everyone showed up. And I am telling you, there was one person in our group who was going through a really heartbreaking divorce. We did not know He had been in our group for months. Mm. Someone else was going through um, a really severe medical situation. And I'm like, how have we been meeting for months and no one knew this was, and it was something about like, there's a vulnerable act of putting food into your mouth that I think makes you more comfortable to share some of the things that you're dealing with. And so that moment is like seared in my mind. And I always think about that when I bring people around. I mean, it's a, it's a place of vulnerability. It's a place to be open and it's a safe place. Mm. So there are probably also people listening who are like, you know, the food part, I I think I could get that down, but it scares me. Like, how do we get to that vulnerability part? Because I long for that community. I want to bring people around my table and I put the food on the table, but then I don't know what to do. Yes. Oh, I feel that so much, especially having to do it so many times. Mm. We move every three years. So every three years, Jeremy and I are like, we want community and we want to go deep fast because it's only three years. And so we don't really have time to play around with like the niceties of community. So what I have learned is to just go first. Mm. So we always will kick off the conversation maybe with a personal story. I remember one time we had people over and it was maybe like the fourth or fifth time. And I, I felt like we were getting stuck, like we weren't really going deep. And I just was like, Jeremy and I just had an argument before you guys came over and we shared about the argument. And at first it was like, that's thanks for sharing. But then immediately another couple was like, oh, we, we also kind of like, we don't match in that same way too. Or like, he's more like that. And I'm more like that. And so I think just always knowing, you know what, I can go first and I can share something vulnerable and it doesn't always have to be traumatic or, you know, shock value, but even just something that's a little bit like 
here, I think that you're a safe place for me. And I'm going to show you that by sharing something that's important to me. Mm, I love that. So you talk about the joy of cooking. Tell me about that because clearly that wasn't something that you started with. (laughs) Absolutely not. I would get frustrated in the kitchen so much. I always felt like I was going to bed exhausted and overwhelmed and feeling like, well, we ate another burnt meal. I'm not looking forward to this in another 12 hours. And what happened is I think there is something about taking time to learn a skill that unlocks joy. And when I was cooking, I realized all I'm doing is reading a recipe. I became a really great reader of recipes, but I wasn't really a good home cook. I was still burning things. I was still over salting things. And so it occurred to me, maybe there are some skills or techniques that I can learn that can reinforce what the recipe is telling me because the recipe doesn't know if my oven burns hot or cold. The recipe doesn't know what pan I'm using. The recipe doesn't know there's screaming children in the background. And so I took the time, which I thought was going to be like a time suck, really. Like who has the time to learn how to cook? But I was like, let me learn some techniques and skills. And as I learned those, I realized, oh, I have so much joy here because I know what to do if my chicken is burning a little bit. I know what to do if I oversalted something. And it became a little bit more fun for me. Mm. And in the book, you talk about you'll teach a technique and then a recipe. And do you start kind of from the very beginning? Yes. That is something that was so important to me because I feel like when we are learning anything, any skill, it's always really important to teach something and then reinforce what you taught with a lesson, whatever it is. Mine just happens to be food and you get to eat it at the end. So it's a really fun lesson, but I will teach right, like right from the beginning. How do you salt food? What do you do if you over spice food? Um, what do you do if you want your sauce to be thicker? So I teach those techniques and then we make a recipe and then we kind of go on to level two. Okay. Now you know how to perfectly salt food. Let's learn how to cook chicken in the pan without it sticking. Okay. Now that you've learned that, let's make a recipe that reinforces that. And the whole book follows that pattern. Mm. I need to learn some of these things. I'm like, <laughs> it's like, I need to cook through this book because I do not know all of those things. I love it. Um, uh, one thing that I was thinking is that, you know, yes, I love that it's the joy of cooking and all that, but there are some, especially for busy moms who are just like, we just need to get the people fed. What encouragement do you have for someone who they just feel like oh, it? It's a lot of work and I need some really easy recipes. Do you have some really easy recipes for them? I have really easy recipes. And the thing that I love about the recipes in this book is I say that they are simple with a really big flavor payoff. I think there's a misconception between like simple means bland. And I don't Mm. think that's true. I think simple can also mean really flavorful. I think simple can also mean that people really enjoy the food. And I also would say to people who are like super busy, especially busy moms, you are feeding people and that is a big feat in and of itself. And you do not need to serve a perfect meal every single night. Mm. And I really stress that in the book. That's just impractical. As someone who loves cooking and cooks all the time, I don't get my meals perfect all the time. I still burn things. I still oversalt things, but now I have confidence. So I know how to turn it all around. And I think there's a difference between confidence and perfection. And so in my book, I'm really pressing for confidence so that people can get food to the table fast. They can get really flavorful food to the table fast, and they don't have to have that overwhelming burden of, was this meal perfect? Or was it a 10 out of 10 every single time? It's not going to happen. You're going to have five out of 10 meals. It's still going to be delicious. 
I love that. Confidence, not perfection. I think we could really use that in a lot of areas in our lives. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. If you've heard me talk at all over the last few years, you know that I went through a season where I had very severe seasonal allergies and it took me a while to figure out what was triggering it and it was debilitating. If you've ever suffered from this, I actually had my polyps got really swollen in my nose and then I got chronic rhinitis so I could not smell out of my nose. And not only that, but I would have these really awful headaches, the kind that just kept me from being able to enjoy my life. And I started going to an ENT, and one of the things that he recommended was Claritin D. And so for a time period, I took Claritin, and it was such a help to me. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. It works so well. I am a living testament to how well it works. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. So if you've ever suffered from seasonal allergies, if you can relate to kind of some of the things that I have experienced and you want some relief... I highly recommend checking out Claritin D. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Amwar makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Amwar, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for new-to-use styles. Now, I mentioned on the podcast recently that I have been pregnant or breastfeeding for four and a half years, and that season of my life came to a close recently, and I was like, I forgot I can wear normal clothes again that don't need to be breastfeeding friendly or constantly changing in sizes with a postpartum body. And so now I'm left with trying to figure out, well, what do I wear? What is my style? I can't even remember. And styles have changed so much in the last few years. And so I've been having fun experimenting with different types of clothing. And I love that Amoir has allowed me to try some different styles of jeans and kind of step outside my comfort zone and figure out what I love, what works for my body type, and to not have spent money on things that I was like, "Mm, actually, this doesn't work after I wore it a few times and realized I don't really like it. And so it's been a great opportunity for me to try out some new things and help me to define my personal style. And I also love that the style quiz, the different suggestions that they gave after I took the style quiz, 
it was right in line with what I would want to wear. And so I have just loved this service and I would love for you to get to try it out and get a great deal. Right now, my listeners can give Amwar a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit amwar.style forward slash crystal. That is amwar.style A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Amoir today. I want to dive into something that you said earlier that has nothing to do with cooking. Um, You were talking about moving every three years and a conversation that I've been having with a lot of people recently is this fear of community and of going deep and and risking community because there is a risk when you are vulnerable, like you talked about earlier, being vulnerable, going first. How do you walk into that and want to go deep with people knowing it's only going to be three years? That one is really hard. I think the first thing that we had to do is we had to zoom out and realize, you know, look into the future. We are either going to have several three-year chunks of really deep friendships or we're going to get to the end of this military gig in 20 years and look back and be like, we didn't really connect with anybody. And so it was first a zooming out for us and saying, you know, it might be a little bit more hurtful actually to make these really deep friendships and then leave them. It was a a lot more heartbreaking. And I think that's also hard with community is there is heartbreak involved, but we just were like, we think the richness there is worth it. We think it's worth the risk. We think it's worth the goodbyes. And in 20 years from now, we want to look back on our military career and say, wow, we have friends all over the country because we really dug into that relationship. And so that was the first thing for us was zooming out. And I think the second thing is we just started saying yes a ton. Like if someone, a neighbor comes over, hey, can you, can you pop over for dinner? Yes. Um, another neighbor, oh, you want to go walk your dog with us? Yes. Like we just started saying yes. And not to the point where it was a burnout. I think there's a healthy relationship between saying yes and then also knowing your no's. But we were like, if we're available, if we are willing and they're asking, we're going to say yes. Mm. And I always say you have to step into the awkward before you experience the awesome. Oh, yes. (laughs) And so that I just think of like moving every three years. And I'm assuming some of them have been some pretty big moves. It's not like you're moving like, no, an hour over or something like that. Yeah. Where all have you lived? We went from Florida to South Carolina and then California to D- DC and now we're in St. Louis. Okay. So lots of different places. Lots of places. Not a, not a situation where we're like, we'll just pop on over an hour. Like we, we, we leave. Mm. And how do you kind of prepare your heart for that and then kind of grieve that and move on and be willing to step back into relationships? Because I think that would be really hard. I, I think of as foster parents where when you say goodbye to a child and it's just this raw grief. And then when you say yes to another child, like you know what you're saying yes to. So how do you process that grief? Oh, I am really bad at it. I'm going to say that right now. I hate, I hate goodbyes. And the first few moves, I just ignored it. Mm. Like I was like, it's not happening. In fact, I think our very first move, we, our friends were like, are you all moving today? And I was like, yes. 
Like I didn't tell anyone because mm-hmm. I didn't want that whole buildup of like goodbye. I was just like, we're just going to sneak out into the night and go. And that was really harmful to our community and also to us because we didn't get to say a proper goodbye. And so I think naming what a proper goodbye is for you and for that person, whether it be a foster child or the community is so important. And what I realized is I am not going to be able to throw a goodbye party for myself. I just am not. So I asked the community and I say, Hey, we found out our move date. This is it. Will you all throw the goodbye party for us? Because I will literally roll out in the middle of the night. (laughs) And so I just was like, instead of forcing myself to like be the part goodbye party person, I asked someone else in my community to do it. And I, and that has been so helpful since, and our communities have appreciated (laughs) That's really beautiful. So you are very good with grieving endings then. Yes. Whether yes. you like to or not, you exactly. have become, you know, and I just, I think that that's something that we, we in our culture tend to not do well. We, we tend to just kind of, it's, it's easier. I know for me, like if I know a relationship, someone's moving, I want to just protect my heart. So it's easier to just kind of like slowly yes. not see them as much. And then it's just like, oh, have a good, have a good life, you know, which is, it's not, that's not healthy. Like you talked about. Yes. Oh, that was me to a T. I remember I was doing that with a friend and she was like, we always got coffees on Mondays. I haven't seen you for a month. And I knew I'm moving. So I thought I was preparing myself by not seeing them as often. And they were like, we just missed four Mondays of coffees. Mm. And I was like, I mean, when you put it that way, we did. Mm. But I thought that I was like creating important distance. Mm. And so it was helpful for me to reframe that and say, I can create the distance once I'm gone. Right now, I really want to cherish the friendship that I have. Mm. So just really living in today. Yes. Mm. Yes. I guess moving every three years, like you would have to, because otherwise you would never build deep community. Never, never. And we have known military families that, and I understand like we, we were really walking that path of being like, we're just going to stay like it's our family unit and we're going to stay huddled in our place because it's hard to make community and then it's hard to leave community. And I understand that. And, but Jeremy and I were like, we need community. Like we need it. And so we just have to understand it's going to cause heartbreak, but it's going to cause so much more joy and richness than we ever could have seen. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing on that. I know it has nothing to do with your book, but I just feel like there are so many people who are scared of that risk and knowing, you know, the, just what you've walked through. I think there's just so much wisdom there. And I just hope it encourages the person who needs to hear that today of like, step out, say yes, be vulnerable, go first and make some salsa. Yes. <laughs> you, know? and you, never know you never know where salsa is going to lead. Wait, that should be on a t-shirt. <laughs> You never know. <laughs> That's so good. Um, with this book, what is your your hope? Like your big, big hope in writing this book? I'm sure that it took a long time and it was a lot, a labor of love. I always feel like a cookbook is so much more than a nonfiction book. Like so much more. It's like three books. <laughs> um, so this labor of love that you put out, um, what do you hope that people are really going to get from it? My hope is I have one person in mind when I think about this book going out into the world, and it's the person who is feeling frazzled every evening when they're in their kitchen, they're feeling overwhelmed, they are constantly serving food and feeling maybe like they had a miss, not a win. And I hope this book comes into their life and they find confidence and joy 
just because they learned a few techniques and they also have some recipes in the back of their pocket now that they can rely on again and again. And I want them to experience that joy. And more than anything, I want them to be present at the table with their people. Mm -hmm. So I want to take the guessing work out of the cooking, out of being in the kitchen and allow them to really feel like they can be in community at their table. Mm, Being present at the table. That's so good. So as we wrap this up, what would you say to the person who they, you know, if you could go back to, how old were you when you? 26. 26. Okay. <laughs> oh, and I have to ask, I, then now I'm asking your age, but I was just curious, like how many years it was? Like how many years is it? Oh, okay. It's been, I'm 39 now. So like over 10 years. Okay. Cause yes. I was wondering like, if you start, you know, how many years it took to, okay, this is, I'm going to ask this other question. I'm going on tangent here, <laughs> but what, um, what, when would you say that you were like, okay, I am really filling my stride and I'm finding my joy in cooking and all of that. Like how long did it take? I think if that's such a great question, I think it was probably maybe three to four years in. And I vividly remember I was, you know, I still had made some great recipes. I still was bringing people to my table, but I remember I was standing in the kitchen and I was cooking and the chicken was actively burning. Like I was watching it burn. The smoke was going up. I was like, the smoke detector is about to go off. And I immediately knew it's like, I took the pan off of the heat immediately. I took the chicken out of the pan. I removed some of the sauce of it. And then I put it back and I was like, let's bake this. And I put it in the oven. It, It was so delicious. And I realized like, oh, two years ago, I would have been like, we're calling pizza hut. I burned the chicken. And also we're gonna throw this pan away. Like, and it just hit me like, wait, I've learned something here. Mm. I Because the recipe did not tell me, oh, is your chicken burning? Pull it off the stove. The recipe wouldn't have thought that I was burning my chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think at that moment is when I felt truly confident. And it did, like, I was so excited. That's mm. where the joy came in. I was mm. like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I just rescued my chicken. This is amazing. And they're eating it and they're loving it. Mm. That fulfillment from doing hard things. Like you'd put in a lot of work to get to that point. And then that fulfillment of like, oh, yes. I have this confidence in what I'm doing and it's going to be okay. Yes. So if you could go back and talk to 26-year-old Bree, what would you say to her? I would, first of all, I would be like, you have no idea what you're going to end up loving. <laughs> it's going to be cooking. But I would actually thank her. I think I would, I would tell her like, thank you. You are going to realize that you are going to want to learn some skills mm-hmm. instead of just, and I understand like, I I feel like it makes so much sense to just be like, I'm just going to read the recipe and make the food. And there was something in her mind that just kind of clicked of, what if I take a little bit of time and learn a few skills? And it has paid off for years. And the skills that I learned at that age are going to follow me for the rest of my life in my cooking journey. And I'm so grateful. So I think I would just say, thank thank you, Brie. Also, you're not in debt from Thai takeout. (laughs) Good job. (laughs) That's good. Um, I just think that your story is so inspirational because I feel like there are a lot of people listening. Maybe it's not cooking, but it's something else in their life where they have told themselves for years, I'm not this person. You know, I'm not a runner. I'm not a organized person. I'm not, you know, we could fill in the blank with so many different things. And you chose to, instead of just believing that about yourself for so long, you changed the narrative. And looky here, you have a book. 
that it's <laughs> teaching people. Like, this is what you do. Like when I think of you, I think of you in your kitchen. Like I just always picture you because on social media, I say that a lot, but it's like in your kitchen, just like with a smile on your face, just having so much joy and confidence in your kitchen. Like I would have never thought of you as someone who is like, she thought she couldn't cook. Like I would have thought like from the time you were two years old, you were probably at the stove, like beating eggs or something because that's what you exude. And so I think it's just such an inspiration. And I hope everyone listening realizes like, stop believing those lies about yourself. Stop telling yourself negative narratives because you never know what you're holding yourselves back from. And maybe you have some, maybe you're going to, you know, write a book about running or you're going to be a coach or something, you know, and you're the person you're like, I'm not that. I will never be that. You just never know until you try. So thank you for putting yourself out there for, for trying and for then inspiring all of us in the process. Thank you so much. That means a lot. I I so appreciate that. And I really appreciate your questions because it is important. I think it's important to put yourself out there to learn. I think even like from runner to coach to teacher, something that I had learned very early on is that I would say, you know, like I'm a bad cook. And I was like, just remove the word bad mm. or like, I'm a fantastic, or I'm a great. It just, you don't have to be a fantastic cook or a bad cook. You can be a cook mm. or you can be a runner. You don't have to be the world's best runner, That's but you can so be a good. runner. Just, yeah. Just take out the word describing it yes. and just own what it is. I remember someone I had said, this was years ago, but I said, I'm a wannabe runner. And someone said, there are no wannabes. Like, mm. it's just, if you run, you are a runner. And I was like, that's a really good word. And I think, you know, when it comes to cooking or whatever it is in your life to stop saying I'm a wannabe or, or I can't, mm. you know, I can't do this instead of being like, what can you do? Well, get a copy. If you're feeling like I don't know how to cook, I don't have confidence in the kitchen. I don't find joy in the kitchen this book, the cook's book would be a fantastic resource. I was also thinking it'd be really fantastic if you have kids to go through it with your kids to teach them these techniques so that when they're 26 years old, they are not relying upon Thai takeout (laughs) and they're going to save a lot of money. Plus just think of like the legacy that this is going to leave for all of these tables that people are going to gather around as a result of your book, Brie. I just, that's just a beautiful picture to think about. And so get a copy of the cook's book, Recipes for Keeps and Essential Techniques to Master Everyday Cooking. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 